Long Gone is here. What the fuck is up? What, <laughs> what up? Nice to hear from you, bitch. Um, yeah, man. Just um, kind of making my way through the slush down here in Manhattan. There was some light snowfall overnight. Mm. Luckily, I have my Solomon, Solomon Snowcross boots ready to traverse the city. Uh, no problems here. Socks are dry. Um, unfortunately, it is affecting my mood. But that's something we can kind of get into as we move through our program. I don't know if I need to. I think I think we pretty much got that one locked down. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, the, the mood the mood has been stabilized, but not that doesn't mean in a good way. It just means you're consistently in a bad mood. You know what I mean? I've been I've been being hit left and right today with news that I don't want to hear. Um, <laughs> some some work related, some relating to quarterback uh, Tom Brady's foray into stand up. Um, and then I found an essay on the failing New York times.com talking about, um, I am mourning the loss of something I loved McNuggets no. and I went on. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, hold, don't worry. It's a, it's a 24 year old, uh, editorial assistant with the times opinion <laughs> who basically takes 3000 words to say that, I mean, blah, blah, blah. I ate all this stuff when I was young. I lived in sort of a food desert. But don't worry, I realized at 24 that it's bad for me. I don't eat it anymore, and I miss it. Um, that is the that is yeah, the extent of the okay. article. So in the New York Times, all you have to do is say, when I was baby, I like candy. Now I'm grown up. Candy bad for me. I like candy, but I don't eat candy. Yes, basically. It's a lot more involved. And the, and the editor is like, fucking shit, you've done it again. It's a lot more involved than that, as you can imagine. Um, but, I don't uh, want to imagine. Don't worry, the writer also went to Yale. <laughs> you know but but okay here's this great you know here's this great i get it man nuggets are good not one not from mcdonald's but nuggets are good let me just let me just read a quick passage mm -hmm. i've expanded my culinary horizons when i moved to new york in 2021 i decided to stock my kitchen with many of the pots pans and gadgets recommended by the website serious eats i bought and skimmed the cookbook salt fat acid heat okay i learned how to br brine and roast a chicken i started buying salads from Trader Joe's. Mm, okay. Well, two out of three ain't bad. Salt, <laughs> fat, acid, heat, the serious eats. Those are great online food destinations. Buying salad from Trader Joe's is, uh, is not, is not the move culinarily speaking, but it, I mean, it's, it's, it's basically just like, um, any coming of age story where like a, a college graduate, like moves to New York for the, for the first time. And they're like, Pots and pans, that's what my mommy uses to cook. <laughs> well wait, am I a grown up now? <laughs> Hold on. But I mean this is this is of course this of course gets into <laughs> like th this also goes into like socioeconomic class, etc. It's like a little more deep, but the reality is it did regardless of all of that, I don't Let's know. Let's skim it, over those parts, please. Yeah, I mean I I don't I don't think it needed to be uh written, that's for sure. But that, you know, I don't know about you, Jason, but I'm craving a Twinkie after that, but you know, that's, mm -mm. that's neither here nor there. I'm just craving carbs. How are you feeling? Um, I feel pretty well. I, I wanted to talk about Tom Brady's stand up career because that was that's something that is anyone taking that seriously, or they're just like, oh, he's like fully lost it now. I mean, I think it's a little bit of an un, unfounded rumor, but it's being reported because I think everyone hates Tom Brady and thinks it's funny that the idea of him doing stand up is um mm -hmm. <laughs> pretty far fetched. I mean, he's getting. I think it's three hundred million dollars to be a a, a football uh, color commentary <laughs> guy on Fox News uh -huh. or Fox Sports. So the the three hundred million that you said, yeah, three hundred million. So I mean, what's the what's the guy that got into comedy as like a MMA guy and everybody hates him now? Joe Rogan. No, not him. The other one. There's like a small. There's like a guy who's like an actual oh, like a, oh, a oh, champion. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot his name. He was sort of like canceled for being. Wouldn't you know it, a toxic guy? Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's. A, I mean, he. he, he <laughs> I forgot looks, what happened, but yeah, I know who you're talking about. He looks like a truck tire, like as a human being, mm -hmm. like it's it's crazy. But yeah, so maybe Brady's trying to do that. I mean, can you imagine Brady sitting at the back table at the store, chopping it up with Santino and Marin? Mm -hmm. You know, after a after a, a tough five that he didn't really win the crowd over on a Friday night. I feel I feel like it might, it might be an exercise in. Learning how to be humble and take an L for the first time in his entire life, you know, to kind of well, I mean, quote he, he eat he shit took... on stage, as they say. Obviously, he's he's been beaten up a little bit here and there, 
all the while having hundreds of millions of dollars and being able to have sex with anyone he's ever wanted isn't well at his fingertips but i would say that he i would say yes to all of that but i think that going retiring from football going back to the game losing your wife leaving you publicly for a fucking uh like a fitness instructor. Mm-hmm. Um, Nothing wrong with that. No, I mean, he's hot and they went to the Caymans together, you know, or whatever. But I mean, look, it's, you know, like that's that's a pretty public L. Nothing is as bad as getting booed at the store, of course. <laughs> it's a, it is a, it's a, it's a, it's a public L for sure. What I want to know are all of the funny, like actually funny teammates of his over the years who maybe even thought about giving a go at stand-up or, you know, <laughs> yeah, the, maybe you, did a couple minutes of a you, chocolate yeah. sundaes or something like that. And like, you, are you fucking kidding me, Tom Brady? Uh, no, you know. And, I, and it's the same thing as fucking, you know, Paris Hilton doing a DJ set. Like, there's a lot of comedians out there who are going to get bumped so Tom Brady can get stage time. Well, look, I, I'm waiting for the... First of all, Gronk definitely has more jokes in him than Tom Brady. Gronk's a beast on and off the court as well. Or on <laughs> and court. off the field as well. Spoken as, like uh, a true. As the factory. Well, the real question is, the real question is, are we going to I don't get... know about the sports ball. And, and we'll be flying in for this if this happens. Are we going to get the T.I. Tom Brady co-headline you know, at the Laugh Factory in Atlanta. That's the real question. I forgot question. about T.I. doing stand-up. <laughs> well, I mean, the problem, because T.I. is like, if you if y'all don't laugh at me, I'll fucking shoot this place up. And everyone's like, all right, T.I., chill. Tiny will come in here and fucking cut someone. With Tom Brady, Tiny will- it's an uphill battle in terms of getting the jokes. And I think I'm, I'm kind of sympathizing for my doppelganger, Aaron Rodgers, right now. Because I know he was probably kind of thinking about doing a little bit of the same thing. I don't. And now I, it's not a novelty item anymore. Now he's going to be the second. I disagree. Most famous uh, NFL quarterback turned stand-up comedian. No, Aaron Rodgers' life is a joke, but that's the choices he made. And I think no, that he, his life is not a joke. He's, he was more considering. He went to a he went to a silent retreat. I don't think that's the kind of thing. Besides Chelsea Handler, what comedians do in that? I would love to go to a silent retreat. I mean, I don't agree with all of Aaron Rodgers' uh Okay, all right, chill out, Woody. You're takes. going Woody. All right, Woody, relax. Woody, which Woody? <laughs> all the Woodies are bad now. Which one? You can't, you can't win, bro. You can't win. I, I mean, I... I did watch the SNL of, of Woody Harrelson telling his roundabout story 11, t- 11 times and fumbling over it because he has early onset stoner's dementia. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't. I didn't really experience any sting that the world was experiencing from that. I think, like I said to you, I think half the people watching it were like, "I think was he was that trying to be cove? I don't know." Like I said to you, he's he's just it's just bad. It's like not funny, which people can't separate anymore. Like something can just be bad and not funny. I don't think he was really trying to like get one over. I don't think he was really trying to, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, he was, he was doing like a, you know, it was, it was him pausing and having to start the story over and over again. That was part of the anticipation and buildup, but he's creating so much pressure for him to really have to deliver Deliver. because he's attempting like a George Carlin or Bill Hicks style misdirection joke. And the guy's just like, what day? Like he, he's on Saturday night live and probably doesn't know what day it is. You know, he's, he might not be the sharpest. Uh, I mean, I think he's just stone. Sharpest nug in the grinder. I think, yeah, he's not the sharp. I don't know if you want. <laughs> I don't know if you want sharp nugs, but I guess maybe, maybe you do. You know, Bro, I, I don't. Have you? Ever, you've never tried shatter, then? I guess. Oh, I guess that's true. I, I have tried shatter in my past. Don't worry. <laughs> Bro, shatter makes heroin look like a fucking Advil PM, dude. <laughs> fucking are, are, the shit that I got right now. Are you high right now, Jason? <laughs> I'm not high right now. Um, I'm high. I'm. You, you you probably experience runners high. I've got ellipticals high right now. I'm I'm juiced up. I'm gassed up. I'm feeling it. I don't think you can get. I don't think you can get high from the elliptical unless your knees don't work. But I guess you do have knee problems, so maybe it is kind of my knees don't work. Yeah. So yeah, nailed that one on the head. And uh, and I have I always have a good day when the the three horsemen of the Glendale apocalypse are at. Let's go. Who we got? Who we gym. got? All in all within spitting distance. These were all they were all all these all three of these Glendale Kings were within ten feet of each other at any given time. And I saw one of their penises today. <laughs> guess can I guess which one? Alright, list the three and let me guess which one's penis you saw. System of a down, bro. Mark Marin and Bobby Carnival. 
<laughs> you definitely saw System of Down. The three Horsemen. You definitely saw System of a Dick. No, I didn't. I saw his 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 whip game though. Finally, what's he pushing? Mean little car. He's got he's got the brand new Mercedes um, electric, like the S five hundred electric. Sitting all black on black. I need to tell you a quick anecdote for all my shutter bugs in New York. Jason, there's a very popular um, film developing lab called the Color House that's notoriously kind of expensive, but it's it's like where everybody went for a long time in Soho. And and, and, (laughs) love to know how this how what that has to do with System of a Down, but go on. He posted a photo today of his new Maybach. he was able to buy and the photographer the photography community was up in arms like these kodak prices go up and this motherfucker's buying a maybach this is fucked up in new york as well i mean he lives in new jersey i'm sure let's see what year it is let's see what year it is oh no it's it's clean it's brand new i think it might be brand new off the lot you know it's fucked up the 03 got for uh 28 you know it's i'll keep it clean but yeah but I, it was carnival's dick i probably shouldn't say that on the podcast but i would like to see i would like to i want you to kind for of, the record not dinky i would like to see this core group get together for like a aa style meal it's, it's giving 80 for brady honestly this <laughs> <Yeah>. trio <laughs> <laughs> oh shit it really is it's 58 for brady but still i think that could be cool if the four of you guys hit like whatever the local equivalent of the waffle house is you know that like seems right for you guys <laughs> no four of us walking slow motion into din tai fung <laughs> like the usual a, a bunch of chinese food <laughs> oh, God, and then so maron's like yeah i'm not i'm not drinking anything carnival's like old-fashioned <laughs> bobby it's 11 30 on a tuesday um all right we do have a guest today um he's a he's a uh friend of a lot of our our people his name is sam lansky uh, he's a writer from new york he lives in uh beautiful los angeles um He's got a couple books. He's a known ghostwriter. Um, he looks hot on Instagram. He's sober. Is he a known ghostwriter? Uh, well, I mean, known by me. Uh, that's out of the bag now. So that's kind of that's kind of where we're at with him. Um, but he's excited to do the pod. He's got a hard out. He let me know because he's a real Hollywood type, you know. Well, uh, I like a man who's got a hard out, but not a hard in. As we're in a Zoom with two people instead of three, but I'm sure he's gonna bop in as soon as he, as soon as he can. And uh, let's give him a Zoom, and we'll have a chat with them right after the break. All right, Sam. Um, I feel like I've been following you and your abs on Instagram, and I feel like you've been on you've been on a little bit of a, a world tour. So, where are you coming to us from today? Actually, incredibly arriving uh, to you from LA. Hard to believe, but I'm back, back Hollywood, baby. Okay, so you're back in Hollywood. Is I need, now. Does I need, it? I need to steal that. I am incredibly arriving. <laughs> I am. <laughs> And I'll, really quick before we move forward, Sam, Chris mentioned he's been following your abs as you traverse this fine earth of ours. How many abs do we have? Six, eight, or 12? At the moment, no. At the moment, absolutely not. That's, that's such an insane thing to be known for, honestly. Like, I, I cannot... I cannot think of a a crazier a crazier distinguishing characteristic than for me to have than abs. Um, I like the idea that you're embarrassed. You're like, oh my god, I'm smart too. You gotta stop. No, I'm, I, I am absolutely taking it. I I have abs for exactly one week every summer, and the rest of the time, none at all. <laughs> There's like one week where it just hits. Okay. Does that week coincide with any other global events happening in the world? Maybe on an island? It, it, weirdly, it does not. You would think that I, w- I would be able to line it up with like somebody's party in Mykonos or something. Oh, okay, um, so exactly. And, yeah, that's <laughs> maybe 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 I should I should work on that. The annual boys trip to the Maldives or something. Yeah, when we get cut. Exactly, exactly. I should also say that I I definitely only have abs when I'm taking a photo of myself. <laughs> like I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a version of somebody taking a picture of me like emerging from a pool like a or, okay. or a sea like a bond girl where i have abs i think i okay. think that's never going to happen i think there's a there's a specific breath technique lighting okay oh. has to be in a mirror okay this is something all of which can produce can produce abs. so unless you're directing the picture yourself it ain't gonna happen and that's and exactly what right. are some of these like tantric breath work maneuvers that you use to produce abs well i think i think the point of it is more like I have to spend enough time in the mirror figuring out what to do with my breath 
Okay. And, like how much how much there should be in my body okay. to Damn. get to get the look of how much how, breath should like, be in my being body. Being gay is a lot of hard work. Yeah, this is yeah. too much for me. Yeah, this, this is- yo. Th- by the by the way, this is the story that nobody. This is what the mainstream media won't tell you. Being gay is exhausting. It is so exhausting. It is a relentless horror show. I'm so jealous of you guys in so many ways. But now that I, I'm finding out, I could turn blue from trying to get an ab pick. It's not. I mean, it's sounding tough. It is. It really. Yeah. Is. It's it's pretty harrowing out here. Nobody nobody thought this life would be easy. So so you're practiced enough now to where you can kind of move that rib cage around in a series of positions that you never thought were possible in the younger self. Yes, that's that's absolutely right. It's also, I would say, even more than the rib cage, although I am glad that you're bringing that up, um, introducing that into the conversation. Uh, more more than the rib cage, it's really about it's really about skin tautness, I think. That's the thing. That's oh. the thing that's really that's really going to um sometimes puffing out the belly could actually help you in terms of tautness. That's exactly exactly right. When you're when when you're puffing out the belly, when you take in a little more oxygen, mm. and it sort of fills you out. By the way, if somebody saw me from the side, they'd be like, "Oh, that's not that 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 person does not, <laughs> not does not have." Oxygen. I didn't think I didn't think men could get pregnant. Exa- exactly, get- exactly. But but from from the front, it then gives the appearance of. Abs, and that's how I became known for this in these circles. This is a good. This okay. is good stuff because I, you know, I was reading that uh, Matt Schneier's incredible uh, Ozempic article and didn't mention taut skin. I, I believe that for the Ozempic girlies, this is the next frontier. Is going to be an an odyssey uh, <laughs> in relation to skin tautness. That um, that because you know that there's that's a that's a difficult thing to navigate you know and and by the way nobody warns you nobody says um here with this ozempic prescription we're also going to trojan horse in the nightmare of having to worry about your skin tautness for the rest of your life <laughs> nobody tells that story and i think i think it's time we started i'm i'm ready for some brave individuals to step up and i'm kind of sick of having to live in the shadows when it comes to tautness well and I, i'm glad that you're giving a face to the faceless. I have one question for you. If not now, when? We're not getting any totter. <laughs> so true. <I> mean- <laughs> so true. So true. I'm trying to have a hot girl summer, right? Oh, no? hot girl summer is catchy. No, you could sell that to someone. Hot girl summer. I okay. mean, right. that's the name of the article. I take it back. I don't, I hate it. <laughs> We're moving into a, I, I feel like people think this, a lot of people had a lot of opinions about this story. I looked at it more from like a, anthropological standpoint and the and the things that people are willing to do for what they deem beautiful or sexy you know um yeah but it also seems like uh it seems like a lot of these like tits are back i'm hearing you know like a lot of these kind of like 90s and early 2000s th- like trappings seem to be returning did you say tits are back chris that that's what i've been reading well as the as the kardashians fannies shrink when did they leave you know right it's it, the the word on the street is that titties are coming back sam do you have an official opinion on that i do i do i have a lot of it i have i have i have many opinions it's hard to know where to begin that's how many opinions i have yeah actually sam as somebody who has a history of writing about body dysmorphia what is your relationship with titties coming back let's go that was, a, that was such a gorgeous segue wow um i uh i am i'm gonna go out on a limb and say that i'm i'm pro i'm pro titties coming back um i feel good about it i okay. support and endorse this i think it feels like and and by all means disagree with me it feels like in the way we are talking about all of this, we have all, like we being consumers, have become savvier to the ways in which like all of this kind of cyclical trend-driven stuff is like a, a, a trip born, a trick born of the capitalist nightmare that we are all living in. Like I, I feel like I feel like half of or more of the buckle fat discourse that i saw was about people talking about how in two weeks you know chunky cheeks are going to be back in and you're going to have to go back to the doctor and <laughs> yeah, get your yeah. fat injected back into your <laughs> face because 
I know. I know this is disappointing for both of you, um, as it is for me, for obvious reasons. I'm still paying it off. <laughs> yeah. By the way, same. I don't have this kind of money, bro. I, I can't go squirrel mode. I can't go squirrel mode after getting all sucked out. I know. I know. Out. The, the chipmunk cheeks are going to have a huge summer, I'm hearing. That's what people are forecasting. Well, I, I think hopefully in the future, as technology progresses, we will be able to sort of, the same way we can get a vasectomy reversed and and re-reversed over and over again easier every year the same thing will happen with with titties and and ass shots and things like that you can just it'll be a, a setting on your app and you just hit a button and then okay ass is back here we go i think that would really expedite um what has become i think quite a grisly process for for a lot of people <laughs> um and i like the sound of that i think my general feeling is like i i love living in a world where everyone can do exactly whatever they want to their bodies to feel good about themselves. And I, I have like a fairly libertarian approach to that. Like you, you want to take Ozempic, you want to get your buckle fat removed, like go off a billion percent. And <laughs> it feels like, um, it feels so obvious that all of these trends are about making people feel bad about themselves so you can sell them stuff. Sure. And it is starting to feel like more cynical and also more sinister than I think I remember it feeling before. Like, I feel like I can, I'm starting to see the seams of it all. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I think other people are too, which is why our discourse is, is sort of moving in the direction that it is. Yeah. So all that is to say, like, I'm, I'm pro anybody doing whatever they want to do and feeling good about themselves and good about their bodies, which, you know, is hard to do in our capitalist hell world. No, I think there's but, some, <laughs> but go, go ahead. No, no, I do think there's some darkness to it. I mean, like, I guess the, the Ozempic story to me was more just like people are fucking insane, but that's how I feel every time I read anything almost that has quotes in it. Yeah. So it's, it's not that it's not that far, but it's, it's like, I think people were really shocked to hear people talking that way and for better or worse people in my life talk that way yeah like none of that you know what i mean like none of that is surprising to me because i know a lot of people that talk like that whether they're living that life or not they kind of speak that way so it wasn't shocking to me what specifically are you are you talking about are you talking about people's like sort of single-minded focus on on yes this? on themselves on themselves yes yeah. and their bodies <laughs> on them on themselves and like their looks and just being like that's you know that's not uncommon in the in the kind of worlds that we traffic in it's usually done like you know with a with a wink or like a tongue in cheek i don't i don't think i'm dealing with absolute lunatics but like if i'm a mom in the midwest that article is going to fucking shock me but if you're any of us it's not going to be shocking at all is, is my point yeah i think that's i think that's right but i also think like it feels like such an inevitable byproduct of the culture that we've created like we have created a culture that is so pathologically crazy about bodies and appearance and uh, you know the the death cult of beauty and then we are surprised when people are dying for it and it's like it it this feels very much like the the monster we have created through myriad cultural forces um and so you know I, I i hear you that like there's definitely a demographic that's going to be like uh people are doing what <laughs> um but <laughs> I, I think like i'm not saying that's good i'm not saying it's good that we're desensitized to it that's not what i mean at all yeah i just mean yeah, that there's no totally. there's different way that you know people are coming to it differently i guess is what i'm saying yeah back in my day i just have a cigarette instead of food yeah well classic still works you know still still works, <laughs> still Cigar works. cigarettes are also back so you know go off i mean it's honestly crazy to see the cigarette return the way that it has it, it really is back in a way that I don't remember except in my like early 20s where it was like it wasn't considered as bad as it is now but people just don't care so do we think it's hedonism is it nihilism is it some combination thereof is it that smoking is glamorous and sexy at the end of the day I think that the just overall cigarette use kind of declined over the last few years and then the rise of vape culture came and then so many people rejected yeah. vaping because it's just so embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there was a, like a, a reaction to that and, and cigarettes came back and they're just like, fuck it. I don't give a shit. Anymore. I think there, I, think I have the, to smoke something. Yeah. I think the combination of that and then COVID where people like just had nothing to do and like, you can't, you know, you, you're just truly bored and you can't do coke all day. I mean, you can, but you know what I mean? It's, yeah. not, it's not quite the same. Um, so I think that's a big part of it too. But it seems to be, my, but, but that, that being said, it seems to be continuing 
um, at an even uh, uh, faster clip, I would say. Like, I feel like I see it more than I've seen it seen it in, in years. I kind of love it. I kind of love it. That's my hot take. I think it's I think it's great. I think it's great for the culture. Yeah. I say bring it on. I think like, you know, there's been um I don't know, there's such a, a kind of puritanical self-denying streak to our culture especially around anything, you know, in terms of how we equate um discipline and virtue. And like I think I think I think a cheeky cigarette is not the worst thing in the world. As long as it's cheeky, then I'm fine. <laughs> okay, good to know. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I mean, especially, I think a, maybe another contributing factor is the fact that, you know, they're telling you that fentanyl's in everything that you could possibly do drug-wise. Yeah. You know, right. and there are people that are truly scared of that, whereas in my day, I would have just done it and crossed my fingers. Yeah. You know, I think that, like, when grown adults are testing their Coke for fentanyl, it's probably a little bit like, you know what? I'll just have a couple beers and a cigarette tonight. I don't need to do <laughs> yeah. all that. It's a lot of work. I think, yeah, I think that's right. I, th- I think that's, I think that's absolutely right. Um, it's, it's a way to be a little naughty and a little, uh, self destructive without, um, actually risking your life in any immediate way. Um, I heard a rumor a couple months ago, and I don't know if this is true because when I tell you I am out of the game, I'm really, really out of the game. <laughs> But somebody told me that they are selling ethical Coke in LA now. Yeah, that's. Have you heard you, this? You, they heard it from Jason on this podcast. Jason buys ethical drugs. Oh shit! Really? <laughs> well, not. I mean. Oh wow! It's a it's a pandemic. I would say. Um, you mean like ethically sourced cocaine? Yes. Yes. Like green, green in a symbolic, <laughs> metaphorical <laughs> sense. Cocaine, not. Not like Grinchy green cocaine. Um, I got my Slimer. I got my Slimer eight ball from my guy. (laughs) Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, like Mountain Dew cocaine. Um, No, uh, the Coke is green in Australia, but Um, unrelated. I I really, I I mean, I think that's an amazing idea. Well, they they have cocaine in different colors there just to make it fun because the Coke is so bad there. You got to do something. Yeah, that's smart. That's smart. Um, They might get it from Bali too, but. I, th- I think uh, I think it's a beautiful idea. I don't know how much more money that's going to cost, but if people don't, you know, if people are going to spend a thousand dollars a month on Ozempic, then they're going to, you know, they don't have a problem spending a little extra money to know that they have ethically sourced cocaine. And I would like to try that because it must not burn as much, right? No, absolutely not. This is a, this is a, an amazing exercise in branding and marketing. A classic wool over the eyes of the um seemingly informed consumer who has like a golden retriever and two kids with obnoxious names and drives the volvo suv to pick up pick up at daycare that's who this is for i, I want to meet that consumer i want to <laughs> shake their hand but i used to love cocaine yeah i mean <laughs> it's for people like that same here to me same I here i i, I hear you but I you were you. you're an early you're like an early adopter and then early you're you're a classic born in new york flamed out early uh not not i love this not not born in new york but certainly raised um not not all for for good um Yes, I I was I was quite a teen terror and uh, spent the latter part of my adolescence um, kind of bouncing in and out of rehabs and then uh, got sober when I was nineteen and all of that is the subject of my of my first book my memoir. Um, actually, I think in many ways it was good and therapeutic that I did all of that so young and then wrote the book about it so young because I kind of just got the whole thing out of the way. You know what I mean? It's not even like I had to do a painful decades later revisitation of it in some autobiographical thing yeah. like i just got the whole the whole run of it including the story um all resolved within about 10 years um so uh i say i say wins all around yeah let's celebrate that Amazing. i like well no i like that that's a real that's a real big dick move to write a fucking memoir at 27 he said i'm pulling the hog out and letting you guys know that's exactly what i did yeah because mo- most people are like oh, me a memoir like i haven't lived enough and you're like i got enough <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm good i'm good <laughs> i'm ready i don't think I, I i don't think any any gays in their 20s are saying who me they're all saying like more attention <laughs> Which is exactly what I was doing. Um, so, who would want to hear my, 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 my story? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Little old me. Yeah, Since no. you wrote it at such a young age, does that mean that there's no reason for you to not have multiple memoirs over your life? Do you want to write another one? 
now that you've lived so much and dined at San Vicente Bungalow so many times? Oh my God, you're saying all the right things. Um, yes, uh, I. Um, <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, a million times. Yes. Um, no, I, uh, I, I wrote that book, um, and then I realized that I had more, more about myself to say toxically um wouldn't you know uh and so that sort of became the basis for my second book which is a novel but is uh autobiographical in nature and sort of like a a little bit of a uh, i don't know commentary sounds self-aggrandizing so i'm not gonna say that but like it was meant to reflect on the sort of nature of self narrative and like how we tell stories about ourselves and, and why do we do that? And um, aren't we always kind of self deluding when we tell stories about ourselves? Um, so the, the form was as much a comment on the, the, all of that as the comment was, if that makes sense. So, yeah. so that, that book, um, that book, I think really in an in interesting way, I will be honest, by the time I was done, like with that press run, I did not want to talk about myself anymore. And I think I actually cured myself of my um, <laughs> self-absorbed desire to make autobiographical work. Um, and I say that with like great affection and admiration for everybody who does make really good autobiographical work. Um, I am proud of my autobiographical work and I am so excited to hopefully never do that ever again uh <laughs> because it it is not interesting to me at all anymore and other people in their stories and imagined stories and um you know all of that became a lot more interesting to me after i was sort of done writing two books <laughs> both about me which took like my entire 20s <laughs> well i think we're living in a little bit of a i think the 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 young memoir um, I think we're living in the golden age of that for better or worse. Yeah. Like I can think of, uh, I think quite of a lot of them. Um, and I don't think that it's, um, I think uh, the ones that rise to the top are successful, but it's based mostly on the, the life that has been lived. You know what I mean? It's like, it, it's like if shit is that good and you're that good at talking about it, then the world probably needs it. Otherwise, you know, save it for a Tumblr post. Yeah, I think, I think that's right. I, I also think like, you know, I hear from a lot of people who say some version of, I really want to write a book. I, I feel like I have a book in me, you know, someday I will write a book. And I always want to say to them, don't like really don't <laughs> with, with like great, great love and respect. Um, it's a huge, huge, huge amount of work to put into something that, um, that you know the roi is really really challenging on <laughs> and i'm so proud i'm so proud of the work that i put into mine and i definitely don't regret it by any means what a, are you considering and factoring in the emotional roi as well yeah 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 I that's mean, I what i was gonna I that's what i was gonna ask because everyone i've talked to about writing a memoir um or something just based on your life is like you better be ready because it's going to cause problems. Yeah, basically, it, it it does. It does. It causes a ton of problems. Um, and and you know, not least of which for me is like, you know, at the age of twenty four when I was writing this book, and I I think I was twenty four when we took it out to publishers. I did not have the um the the maturity or the kind of like depth perception to forecast ahead to a where there was this like huge digital footprint of all and physical like you know in stores across the country footprint of all of the most embarrassing things i had ever done like i just wanted the attention you know sure. obviously i wanted to like start my career i wanted to write a book i'd always dreamed of writing a book it it didn't occur to me that like you know i would i would be walking into a meeting 10 years later where i'm trying to be taken seriously and somebody's like Oh yeah, I read your book. That thing about you, you know, freebasing meth for and you know, like <laughs> sucking that guy's dick was pretty crazy. And I'm like, oh yeah, no, I did, I did write about that. That was that was cool. Um, I'm so glad that I that I did that and put that onto the world with no thought whatsoever for how it would feel to have that follow me around. It has to be that way though. It has to be that way. If you thought of, you know what I mean? If you think about it, it's not totally. going to be the same. It's not going to be as good. Yeah. A billion percent. 
And I and I'm I'm glad and I celebrate my 24 year old self who did not care and was like let's just put it all out there. Um, and and it's not like I think it's it's you know kept me from any you know uh, opportunities that I would have wanted or something. It's more like I think I have become more protective of my privacy and more interested in I guess my dignity, which is just not something it w- ever would have occurred to me to have in my twenties. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, sure. and and now those things like actually feel like sort of precious currencies that I that I really want to protect. But my 24-year-old self wasn't thinking that far ahead. So, um, I, I, like on one hand, yes, I'm so I'm so happy and and grateful that I did it, and really proud of the work that went into it. And on the other hand, it's like there are so many variables that you just don't think through until until you do it, and that that you know tends to be a, a very good teacher. I'm glad to hear. I'm glad to hear that you're thinking now. That's good, man. That's growth. It took me a while. <laughs> what does it feel like to have dignity? Yeah, yeah. Please tell us. We have a podcast, so we don't have any. Obviously, What's that like? you'll you'll have to ask my dear friend Ozempic. Without <laughs> it, I would have none. I would just well, be um, disgusting. Speaking of kind of valuing your privacy and your private life more, so as you've gotten older, can you tell me a thing that you've done recently and not told anyone about? Oh, a thing that I've done recently and not told anyone about could be something you bought something you did wow this is good you're gonna have to you guys are gonna have to edit out edit out like a 30 second long pause that's about to happen as i know you'd be shot i know you'd be i know you'd be shopping doing some irresponsible spending yes that is true um okay uh i um, i was only asking um because on your instagram you have a the two 2023 ins and outs list post and one of them is doing things and not telling anyone about it so i'm giving you space which is ironically the next thing uh to to share that yeah space in that context not more like the final frontier um but uh but i appreciate the space you're giving me as well um that's that's really nourishing um what is a thing that i did recently that i didn't tell anyone about did you buy balenciaga again i didn't buy balenciaga uh have I bought any Balenciaga recently? No, um, <laughs> no. Uh, I um, I have been. I have been spending like a lunatic. I have been shopping a lot. A thing that I did that um, that I is both stupid and practical on some <laughs> level. Like it's it's stupid to it's stupid to anyone listening who has like a reasonable relationship with money or stuff. <laughs> it's perfectly logical for me. Uh, is they had. Like everything was just like fucking slashed on the SN sale, <laughs> and they had fucking slashed. It was, dude. It was slashed. It was forty to sixty percent off things that you don't have to tell us about the SN sale, honey. We know what it is that a girl could only dream of. My question for you is: Did you venture into the everything else tab and then scroll down to home to find that they had forty to sixty percent off on candles? That you can never find on sale. Well, I, I well, I need to ask you which candles you're talking about. I'm, ta- I, I, I'm talking about Udon. I had a feeling. Dias and Durga. Okay. I'm talking about mm-hmm. uh, Margella. You I'm can level with about, this here. Like you can level with this here. How many candles did we purchase? Fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I actually bought. 14 candles <laughs> i'm cheating a little bit because i sent a screenshot to a friend of mine and was like i'm so mentally ill like i don't know what i'm gonna do with myself um that i just bought 14 candles um but uh but yes i bought 14 it's no 14 candles is nice because you you can have some in the closet if you need a last minute gift before you rush out that's you know? exactly what i was thinking that's exactly what i was thinking i was like this is so practical we have we have such a large listenership uh, I'm sure a lot of your friends are listening. So if you give them a candle, they're gonna be like, mm, "Essence sale candle, what a sweetheart, awesome." You know what's you know what's really fucked up is, and, and I wish I had known this, and now I've learned my lesson is they all have. I really am glad that we're talking about this. I need to get this off my chest. They are all um, marked with a essence sticker on the side, like a barcode sticker that does not peel cleanly off. It leaves like a little <laughs> adhesive, adhesive remnants, strip. remnants. So there's some evidence. It leaves adhesive remnants. 
such that I don't think I can gift any of these because they're clockably SS. <laughs> um, uh, before you kind of hire a forensics expert to come over and remove this completely, <laughs> I would I would try just yes, which I am gonna do. <laughs> I have a guy rubbing alcohol in a Q-tip can do wonders on on removing adhesive. Give it a try. I believe you, but I'm also concerned about the rubbing alcohol stripping the like. Jason, look, Jason. No, Jason's shoplifted a lot of stuff and had to do okay. this in his life. Okay. So he this is he's a trusted source. But my question, because because I'm a I'm a candle guy, you know. Yeah. I, I'm. I, I just. I don't like to deviate fragrance. I would buy. I would only buy fourteen of the same one or two, maybe. Right. So the fact that you have such a an hey, appetite for fragrance, and and the I'm, I'm just surprised at your range. And that's not. A, I'm just. I thought <laughs> well, most you, people were like you me. You shouldn't be, Chris. You should be surprised <laughs> because it is because it is quite surprising. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm flabbergasted. I I have found myself <laughs> wanting a variety. I found myself wanting to. Um, go into different okay, rooms, grinder. Go off into different rooms and smell different fragrances, and um, it's been rewarding. And so the third bedroom gets one, the bathroom gets one, like the the mud room. So you're you're kind of separating your house by fragrance. Well, I don't have a mud room because I'm not a billionaire, but <laughs> sure. Um, I, I, the the rest of it, everything else, yes. I have um, right now. I am burning a Trudon in the living room. I have a diptyque in the kitchen, uh, Maison Louis Marie in my bedroom, and another one in my den this where is, I'm currently. Um, this, this is good. Deep. This is good. This is good. These are all these are all burning currently, or they're just no, oh, no, okay, no, no, okay, okay. no, um, no. Uh, the the only one that's burning um, currently is uh, the one that I left burning in the living room when I ran into the den to uh, <laughs> jump on this with you guys. Well, okay. another a, a question then: If you're okay, if this is how serious you take the fragrance of your, I'm so glad we're talking about beautiful this. home. Wow. Yeah, keep going. Are, are you are you looking for the same variety in your in your personal fragrance on your body, or are you kind of because I'm a one like I have a bunch of stuff, but I only really use one. Like, what is your approach? He's like steve jobs with the spray i'm i'm issy miyaki turtlenecks only you know yeah I mean? no yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the black turtleneck mm. i totally get it um i have been uh i've been cycling but in seasons not day-to-day -day, okay. if okay. that makes sense okay. like i'll go through i'll go through a run <laughs> i'll go through a run right now i'm in a run of um come de garçon hinoki one nice the, the monocle collaboration a classic the monocle collaboration which Critically, I failed to mention, I bought two of that scent in a candle on the SN sale. They were like 70%. Now off. we're talking. I know. I now now, now we're, we're talking. In now, that, now we're going we're going full <laughs> psycho mode. This is what I like. This is some shit I would do. Okay, Sam, um, do you use this much attention and care and thoughtfulness in your lighting design and concepts? Um, I have, I, I am renting my house and I swapped out not only the overhead light <laughs> fixtures, but also the bulbs for a softer, <laughs> kind of dewier, yeah. more yellow filament yep. bulb storyline. <laughs> Where's your okay, dewy so you want... section at Home Depot? Yes, yes. I, I marched on over to the dewy section and I said, <laughs> give me 20 bulbs. I'm here. Yeah, right. That's the, this is okay. So you, the house is feeling it, it smells good. The lighting is sexy. It sounds like you're welcoming visitors, or is this just something that you? This is something you do for yourself. This is the way. This is the way I live, and it's really weird, and it's getting weirder the longer and longer <laughs> I live alone. I'm gonna have to like either like lock down a partner or get a roommate or something because I'm getting so weird in my uh, living alone. Um, fastidious gay man uh, behavior. And if you keep getting these checks, then it's only going to get more and more weird as time progresses. I know it's going to it's going to get worse and worse. I'm going to get real, real weird. I see I see what time does to men like me. It's not pretty. <laughs> um, but uh, like uh, Ryan O'Connell, who who I know you know, um, whenever he comes over to my house, he's always like, "What the fuck? Like, were you just cleaning? Like, do you just live like this? Because I'm very." orderly this is hot Hon honestly like sam this, this is hot like and lived in we love orderly yeah i i really i love i love order it's dangerous question sam when you check into a hotel room how much 
time and work do you put into rearranging things, removing artwork and things like that before you're feeling comfortable? I don't rearrange. I don't do anything to artwork. Um, I, okay. uh, I have taken to traveling with my own candles and I'm willing to admit that. Oh, that's light work. That's light work. <laughs> welcome to the, welcome to the resistance King. Yeah, it's good to have you. Thank here. you so much. Um, I, <laughs> And also, I have become increasingly a person who, unless it's just for one night, if it's more than one night, I'm going to unpack and I'm going to put everything away in drawers and I'm everything up. Okay, now, okay, now you're talking like a chick. <laughs> um, that that's where I, that's that's where I draw the line. I, I ain't gonna, I ain't unpacking. I think it really seriously. No, unless it's a room. No, I turned into an unpacker as well. Have you really? Unless it's a space issue. Unless it's a space issue. I have. No, I mean it's like a it's like a thing that. You, I have to do it as soon as I check in or else I'm not going to do it. But as soon as I check yeah. in, unpack, put everything, hang it up on the hangers. It, it feels so good. Uh, the other thing I have taken to doing is even if I get in really late, I can't go to bed unless I have fully unpacked and everything from, from coming back on a trip when I get home, unpacked everything, put everything away done laundry whatever like i need to have it all done to sort of psychologically close, that's a good that's a psychologically good close the door on the trip and then when i wake up in my space and everything is put away and unpacked i'm like i can resume this i, I can begin this next chapter of my life i'm back post trip yeah i have arrived incredibly when you're when you arrive back from that trip the car service takes you back to weho how long is that first shower before you go to bed? You're scrubbing. You're a scr you're scrubbing. I'm going to be honest with you. I take a bath. Oh my mm. god, this man! Okay. I, you're you're yeah. really living in the lap of luxury. Thinking man, shower. So you draw. So yeah. So you you draw a hot bath and just dip your little body into it. I draw. I draw a hot bath. Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> That's usually what I want to do after uh, after a plane journey. Yeah. Uh, and it feels good. And I'm not going to apologize or defend. <laughs> no one, no one, no one asks you to apologize or defend. We are in a desert, but yeah, good. You, you better not, Sam. When you, um, when you were a, a kid, maybe dreaming about making it big one day, how did you, did you envision yourself to be living like this, or did you have a different kind of dream or uh, of how you envisioned your your home to be? I had a different dream. I think um, I thought it was going to be. <laughs> nicer but also i would care about it less i think um <laughs> like I, I i think i projected more opulent luxury and me moving through it not giving a shit about any of it mm -hmm. um and instead it's it's a little humbler and a little cozier and i am much more invested in it and intentional about it than i imagined i would be sounds like you grew up watching the nanny weirdly i didn't i didn't and and you would you mm, would think misstep. that yeah i know jason it's, jason it's disappointing. what's going, disappointing for us both jason what's going what's going on with you you've been talking about the nanny a lot lately yeah can we unpack that i haven't i haven't mentioned the nanny in months chris you Come mentioned on. the you mentioned the nanny in the group chat yesterday and you just mentioned it today on the program did i yeah you did i haven't watched the nanny in a long time but that doesn't mean you when, haven't been when he mentioned jerking off to the nanny that's two different things. That's fair. Oh, she is. Cool. I mean, for her age, the her outfits. Oh my god. But <laughs> yeah. Um. No. When he mentioned living a more opulent, I see. luxurious lifestyle and kind of yeah, I, floating I see through it in a careless manner. Yeah. It, it made me. It reminded me of that beautiful ensemble cast. Yeah. I see. Sam, Sam, you you dabble in Hollywood, right? Not just not just zip code, but uh, writing. I would I would say that I'm I'm in the um fairly rarefied position of working constantly and never getting anything made which is awesome um so you're a writer yes exactly um which has been such a disorienting shift for me after coming up in journalism really like kind of coming up on twitter and then into journalism and then writing books always sort of understanding that like with rare exceptions the pact was i write this thing and then people in the public read it and experience it um to now like level into this place where i'm i'm working constantly um and it is it is not uh taking shape in the public is so weird and i've spent the last several years sort of like pinching myself periodically to be like do i uh, do i still exist like do i have a body <laughs> sure, um, sure. Do, do i still take corporeal form or have i just like floated off 
Um, well, into I mean, a, at least the at least a the room of executives. The thing that people need to understand, though, about this, and I I do feel for you, but you also get paid for this, so it's you know it's uh, absolutely it, you absolutely. know it, it's it is a funny game though. I'm sure after a few times you're like, look, I I don't mind getting paid a little less if we can actually make this fucking thing. Yes, you know, can we work out a deal here? Yes, <laughs> that's that's extremely my attitude as of late, and I think I um. I, I was getting pretty salty about it last year after a couple, you know, hits of things that I, I really thought were going to go, um, then not moving forward. And I kind of leaned out of that and was like, I'm having a pretty good time. I'm getting to write stuff that I think is really fun and I'm really excited about. Um, and, and, you know, something's going to go at some point. And in the interim, I'm, I'm going to have a good time and, and make money and enjoy the fact that, um, somebody's actually going to pay me to make stuff up and then write it down. Like it could be worse, you know, <laughs> could be worse. Mm -hmm. Trying, trying to do a little attitude adjustment about it. Um, but, uh, it's, it, it, it does, it does get one down. You know, no, I mean, I think that's totally I think that's totally fair. I mean, it's like I don't you know, I, I, I can't imagine that as a person who puts something out three times a week the day after we record it. It's pretty it's like there, there's some grat gratification that comes with that of just like doing it and getting it done, you, you know, and then it's totally on to the next one. Um, the other thing that I know about you uh, is that you do some writing for other people and they don't uh, we don't know it's you. If you know what I'm saying, this is true. And this is true. Yeah, I'm I'm fascinated with this process because I've had other friends that have done this before, and I'm pretty familiar with with what I think the process is. But I think that it how how does one embody someone else? Like, how do you really? You know what I mean? Like, how do you? Is it is it just spending so much time with them and talking to them about about everything, or is it is it sometimes it clicks and sometimes it doesn't? Uh, it's so interesting because I've never talked about this. I'm gonna, and I'm doing big air quotes when I say this publicly before. <laughs> sure. um, uh, so um, let me let me <laughs> choose my words very carefully. Um, what has been interesting about this for me is, you know, with a process like this, there was no model for how to learn what to do right like nobody nobody really talks about it um there was actually a times article pretty recently uh about this i think after um spare was published uh where they talked to a few a few collaborators um and people in publishing but for the most part it's pretty you know it's all fairly cloak and dagger um and so when i when i started doing it there was no um there was no rubric for like how to do this successfully. I had no idea how much time you should spend with someone, what you should ask them, how sort of intimate or boundary that relationship should be, um, how you produce a voice that sounds like that. Like all of that was just yeah. totally, I, I had to make up everything about it as I went along, which I, I don't think there are a lot of, um, comps for that in the world most of the time you can observe someone doing something or ask someone how you do something and to go into a fairly high stakes environment with absolutely no idea how it is supposed to go or how anybody else who does this job would do it um was an incredibly disorienting thing so i just made it up as i went along and my process has been to spend so much time with people that I feel like I know them well enough that I can speak in their voice. Yeah. Like, so, so then I become a sort of instrument of, or conduit of what they would say. Uh, and it feels very fluid. When you say that, like when you say spend that amount of time, is it like, is it, I'm sure it differs from project to project, but is it like kind of like work time or is it just kind of like, I'm I'm gonna be here. You know what I'm saying? Like, is it is it like I'm sitting across a desk from you? We're interviewing, basically, or is it like I'm going to the grocery store? We're picking up the kids. We're doing this. We're doing that, so I can really see it. Yeah, it's 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 more like that. I've I've lived with people. Wow. Yeah, that's so cool. That's so crazy. I mean, of, I think that. Go ahead, Jason. Of of all the people that you've ghostwritten for, who who's been the one that you got along with the most? <laughs> I cannot say that. Um. <laughs> But uh, fair, fair. what I what I will say is I would characterize 
these as some of the most um, intimate and rewarding relationships of my life. Mm -hmm. And I mean that with total sincerity. I have been, um, I have found it to be a really profound experience. And, uh, and, I, and I do mean profound. Um, when you are helping someone try to figure out how to tell their story, um, especially if they have really deep wounds, you know, whether they've had therapy or not, or whether it's fully processed or not, like you're really a container for some incredibly, incredibly personal material and processing. And it's, it's been just kind of a, a crazy surreal experience, especially with people who are high profile, um, to get to be like the person that they are figuring this out with sometimes for the first time. Um, so it's, it's a really insane, insane thing to get to do and incredibly cool. And I feel very lucky. And the reason I'm being veiled about it, um, is because I don't want to fuck it up because I feel so lucky to, to, sure, get, to sure. get to do sure. it. No, you know? of course, of course. Um, really? I mean, the, que the, the question, the question is then, is there, is there sometimes a little bit of, uh, bristling against the process from someone where it's like they know what they've signed up for but it takes a little while for you guys to kind of lock in and and for them to understand that you ain't going anywhere kind of thing everyone is different um i think there's definitely you know people's people's attachment styles um you know uh, unveil themselves pretty quickly sure um in a process like this uh i I will say that I have been very fortunate to trust my instincts about who I want to work with and who I don't. Um, and I'm also, and a lot of this I've sort of found out after the fact, um, there are, there are people really, really talented people who can, um, help someone produce a book so efficiently. You would not believe it. I mean, like hours on the clock and then like book is done. And I think that's mind blowing and I could never, ever, ever do that. And when I've heard of other people's quotes for how much time they would need <laughs> yeah, from someone, like, what, I am, my, my jaws, my jaws on the floor. Like <laughs> Harry, I, Harry, we can get this thing done in a weekend, bro. Well, let me, let me read a weekend. Well, I, I, yeah, I mean like people, I, I actually think the, um, uh, J.R. Moringer who did, um, uh, spare, um, and I think that's public knowledge. It was in the uh, Times article. Yeah. Um, I think he his process is very like involved and intimate the way mine is. And there are people who who are just machines and and crank these out so efficiently. Um, and I I bring that up because when I'm talking to someone about a project, I'm really really upfront about what I'm going to ask of them and that I'm going to challenge them and push them and push back on them mm -hmm. and call bullshit. If I think they're edging into, um, self-deception mm. and, um, and that we're going to dig and try and be super fearless and it's going to be hard and uncomfortable. And, and I'm going to ask a lot of them. And that has made people, you know, say, I don't think this is the right fit, and, and that's totally <laughs> I'm fine. All, I'm all set on this. I'm all set. You can leave. Yeah, like, I, like, I don't want to do that. Like this is this is a brand extension, you know. Like and and that's <laughs> so fine, and and you know that's uh, that's that's fantastic for them, and fantastic for the people that they're working with. Um, I'm I really stress, you know, from the beginning that I am going to, you know, push and dig and, and it's going to be challenging. <laughs> um, and, and anytime <laughs> there's resistance, that's where I'm going to dig. Like anytime something feels tender, like I am going to push on it because that's always where the most interesting thing is. Um, so I think people know going in, that's part of my, uh, you know, I see that as my responsibility. Um, in terms of producing work that people can really be proud of and and stand behind, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I say all the time when I kind of zoom out from it because I'm I'm you know working on a novel and and I have uh, two features that I'm writing and and I have all you know this great sort of um, array of of things to keep me busy. This is by a mile the weirdest thing that I do. It is so deeply <laughs> surreal. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird as hell. I mean, it's it's one of those things that I just think that. Also, like society as a whole is like aware of, yeah, you know, but but like unless it says you know with in the in the byline, then I don't think people are thinking about it. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean. Like, like I don't think people people are aware of it, but they don't actually 
process like what it means when they're reading things. So I think it's it's interesting to hear about it from from someone who actually does it. Yeah. And and you know the other thing I'll say is I I was really clear, you know, from, from the first project I worked on that I didn't want or need to be credited and it wasn't something that I was interested in. Um both because you know I really liked and felt good about the lane that I had carved out for myself under my name as a writer with yeah. with journalism yeah. that I was really proud of and books that I was really proud of and and you know with books it's like you sort of never know when it's somebody else's story like how this is going to resonate and and what kind of reception it's going to have and like is this something that i want to be known for in the first place and i kind of decided that that not that i was ashamed of it or wanted to distance myself from it it just wasn't um something that i wanted to lead with frankly so so i i you know never wanted or advocated for credit and I'm so glad that I did that because one of the best things about this, you know, this work for me has been truly feeling like no matter how intimately involved I am on a line level, structurally, um, asking good questions, like dealing with, you know, the, the kind of, um, mechanics of publishing, all of that, like whoever I'm working with, they're their words. Like my goal is to make it 100% your words. Yeah, yeah. And they might be words that you wouldn't have come to without me pestering you. <laughs> and they might be structured in a way that's more elegant than you would have done on your own. But like, it's your, they're your words, they're your story. And like, far be it from me to try and uh elbow my way into it i hope i can afford you when it's time you, you know i'm what I mean? so sorry I'm... chris i don't i think that's unlikely <laughs> i think that's really unlikely <laughs> i think that's unlikely <laughs> yeah i'm so sorry i know you're doing okay but i just I, i'm kind of familiar with your stuff <laughs> let me know if this is uh triggering or not or you don't want to answer it but we have a segment on our show where we have guests on who have enjoyed drugs in their lifetime and we ask them their top three favorite prescription pills of all time oh man <laughs> okay no it's not triggering at all okay um I, He's uh, like, it's not triggering at all. I'm a meth guy, so it's not really a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, okay, I loved, I loved any amphetamine. I loved Adderall. I loved Ritalin. I loved Concerta. I loved Dexedrin. Dexedrin, probably most of all. Wow, the real thrill. All right, all right, Brady Snell, let's relax. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I really, I really did, guys. I really did. Um, in in some faraway corner of my life so what was our what was your brand of cigarette when you were on that dex oh i smoked camel turkish lights i want to say they don't make those anymore do they i, I like the turkish the turkish lights like actually 2005 yeah and and they were really good they really they really god i smoked i smoked a lot <laughs> they, they gave those away in the clubs back then i believe it i don't remember it but it sounds right <laughs> um i i often think when i look around at like gays in la like man they're all really skinny or like they're all really fucking jacked and i'm like oh they're all on adderall like <laughs> i i just have to i have to like remember that like all of them are on adderall ozempic and, uh, and adderall now ozempic and adderall yeah that's the the breakfast of champions um so i i would say i want i wouldn't even call it craving because i don't really um I don't really crave anything anymore, but I find myself wishing that I could have a, a Xanax or some benzodiazepine mm -hmm. more often than I wish for anything else. Like when I'm when I'm flying, for example, mm -hmm. or when I'm in some sort of state of heightened anxiety, like to the the option to take like a Xanax or a clonopin is always so feels very alluring to me and feels like mm -hmm. I should be able to just do that like that. That would be, that would be so nice. That would make all of this so much more manageable. Get that demon out of your head, boy. Exactly. Exactly. It's so noisy. It's so noisy up there. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, I went through a, um, period during the pandemic where, um, I was just, I had so much anxiety and I was really not taking care of myself and, and my sleep deteriorated so badly. And I cycled through trying a bunch of sleeping pills, including what had been my favorite as a teenager, Ambien. And it was weird to be like taking it again as a sober adult. And ultimately, I discontinued it because I think that's one of the scariest drugs out there. 
Um, mm-hmm. But uh, it was so much fun. Oh my God. It was so much fun. I was just <laughs> goofy and loopy. I believe watch me like get sued by GlaxoSmithKline or whoever manufactured <laughs> it. Like tomorrow. Not Glaxo. The, not the, Glaxo by the, name. Gla- Glaxo's going to knock on my door and be like, we heard what you, we heard the shit you were talking about, Ambien. <laughs> um, so, uh, but um, I, Oh my god! I had to, I had so much fun taking taking Ambien. Um, that is such a that is such a weird joyride for me. Mostly because I believe, and I really do believe this, that it doesn't make you sleepy. It just gives you retrograde amnesia, so you can't remember that you weren't <laughs> sleeping. Like there is no there is no soporific effect in that drug. It just it just puts you into enough of a brownout. I, f- I forgot that I couldn't go to sleep, so I might as well just go to sleep. Yeah, like so. So you don't remember that for three hours you were up padding around your house, sending weird emails, postmatesing red vines, and eating the like whatever the fuck. Eating peanut butter out of the jar. Yeah, exactly. Um, all of the the weird shit that I did. So, uh, yeah, I um, I should say that while. Uh, as with all things, I think everyone should do whatever they want to do with their with their body and their brain. Um, and I respect, support, and endorse that. Thank you. I have become with my own body. Yeah, you're welcome. Anytime. <laughs> um, I have become with my own body, like sort of weirdly paleo about chemicals. Like I, I am more spooked by prescription drugs than. Uh, certainly than I was before when I was like, give me any and all of them. Like how many can I put into my body at once? <laughs> um, but, but it's, it's like my brain has sort of rewired itself um, to, uh, to actually like reject it as a premise because it feels sort of scary and artificial and foreign to me. Um, like in a way where, I feel a sort of like warmth toward the idea of like mushrooms and ayahuasca that I just do not at all feel for the kind of like cold synthetic, you know, man-made vibes of all the prescription drugs that I used to love. Granted, it has been a long time since I've taken them. So maybe if I uh, took them, I would be like, oh, I feel very warmly toward this, this drug isn't after that all. <laughs> yeah, right? I was, yeah. I was oh, making this myself is great. crazy. What was I thinking? I, I think that does happen to people who are able to accumulate a certain level of wealth to have the privilege of being able to do that and also the kind of arowanification that I assume that your life has taken. I cannot believe you would accuse <laughs> me of that. That's hurtful and <laughs> yes. Show me the lie, honey. Yeah, there is, there is none. There is none. All right, Sam. Uh, Sam, thank you for joining us uh, on How Long Gone. It was a pleasure. Um, you guys, if you if you want to, uh, go follow Sam on, on all social media um, and also check out his books, uh, wherever books are sold. Um, and Sam, we'll, we'll see you uh, we'll at Squirrel soon. You absolutely will. Guys, it was a delight. Thank you so much for having me on. Really our pleasure. No, thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Bye.